The Homance Chronicles. The female equivalent of a bromance. So many poor choices. But so many good takes. But so many poor choices. <laughs> <laughs> This is the Homans Chronicles, and I'm very headachey, painy Sarah. And I'm Nicole, also, also. headachey. Uh, you know what? I do all of the things to try to prevent headaches. She's got a and fucking they... patch on her forehead as we speak, and I'm trying very hard to just not say anything about it. Just be like, no, you can talk about it. You can talk <laughs> about enough. it. It's helpful when uh, looking at the computer screen. Because yes. my headaches tend to be above my eyes or like above my eyebrows. Like that's where most of the pressure is. Mm-hmm. So since I have to read this story, I'm just going to leave the patch on and you're going to be distracted by it and we're all going to be fine. <laughs> oh, no, I'm not going to be distracted at all. This is actually the bright spot of my day, which before we get started, I was unpacking a little bit more and I found this book. Trailblazers, 33 women in science who changed the world. Like you have your next 33 <laughs> stories ready well, to go. Actually, I opened it up just to see and Ada Lovelace was in there and I was like, look at me go. Look at me go. Uh, I know. It's one of those things where now I look for it and I pay attention to it. And the women that we've talked about are brought up in various television shows uh, referenced in different pieces of, I don't know, journals, networks, etc. And, um, I probably was exposed to it before, but just didn't make note of it because their names weren't familiar. And so now it's, it's constantly sticking out to me. It's like one of those things where, you know, you're like, Oh, I was just thinking about you. And then the person calls you, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you look and you find it type shit. Oh yeah. Yeah. Same. So that's awesome. Yeah. I don't know where it came from either. Actually. I think it came from a former job. I think it was a gift mm. from uh, like a girl's group, mm. a STEM mm-hmm. situation, I think. So yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes yeah. Sense. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I do all of the things to prevent migraines i get botox quarterly i take a monthly self-injection i have a a migraine prescription etc etc well i give myself the injection on the first of the month and it's today which is today (laughs) so you know the old injection had been wearing off and it's my headaches are connected to barometric pressure and it's been raining constantly for the last week and will continue to, I think for the next few days. And, um, so my head has been really fighting a battle. Like I thankfully, because I do all these other things have not been completely like laid out on the couch, not able to do anything. I've been still able to do some stuff, but just like maybe a little bit slower. Um, and so I was talking to my brother on the phone and, he was asking me questions that I was not prepared for. And my mind just could not fire off any, like, I was like, I'm like, my head hurts. I like when I'm asked questions that I'm not prepared for, like, I can't quickly answer them. Like my oh, yeah. brain, is gone. yeah, my brain just misses connections. And the irony of also that I gave myself the injection today is that I did it in my left thigh instead of my right thigh. I was like, I should change this up. 
you know, I probably shouldn't put it in the same thigh every time. Right. Yeah. (laughs) So I moved to my left thigh and I literally hit a vein. Like I was like bleeding. I was like, nope, we're sticking to the right thigh. And uh, out of all of this thickness, like I have so much meat on my thighs. Like I don't know. I don't know. But I've never had my injection bleed before. And it was like sprouting blood. How did you do that? I not paying attention. I mean, literally when... When you've had a series of headaches for days in a row, like it just, you just make mistakes. I don't know. Oh my God. Well, I'm glad you're okay. Thanks. We'll see if it is as effective as normal. (laughs) Who knows? I'm sure it will be. I'm sure. Maybe it's more effective. I did it right into the bloodstream (laughs) versus (laughs) into my muscle. Uh, Oh, man. I don't know how that happened. The chances of hitting a vein. I mean, honestly. You had to do it at least once. (laughs) (laughs) So um, we will try to power through this story today. And thankfully, it's mostly like warm fuzzies story it's complete opposite of what we've encountered however there are some parts of it that were sounding very similar and I had to like triple check I hadn't already done her before or either of us had done her before because I was like wait wait hang on hang on (laughs) I mean I know we have a list and all but I was just like hmm um I know I feel like oh sorry I feel like I always get them confused as well like I'm like hang on that was who now did we do this person yet (laughs) I know I feel bad about that part because we're trying to give these women the notoriety and the light that they deserve like all of the shine and I'm like wait who (laughs) (laughs) because do them so often like and their stories, a lot of times, are so similar. <sighs> Imagine if we did murder stories, how bad that would be. I know. But somehow they all keep it straight. I don't know how. I don't know either. Um, anyway, we'll just blame it on the fact that I have a patch on my forehead today, a cooling yep. patch, and uh, just not firing in all cylinders. It's all but right. I'm actually hyper jealous of that patch at the moment. I can see where so it's at in my old house, and I feel like I know where it's at right now because I know where it's at. But I'll like, probably be wrong and be upset. So they're like four or five dollars on Amazon. They're like a dollar <laughs> a patch or something, and they make it so that I can like look at the computer screen. Yeah. While I, I have like, a headache, I mean it's fantastic. I would like one of those for my whole body, please. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, so today's house of history is Jane Adams. Oh, okay. And the last name is spelled Adams with two D's. Oh, like the Adams family. Yes. A D D A M S. Yes. Um, bitches. Fun fact. So, Adams family spells their name with two D's. If you didn't know that you ain't a real one. Sorry. About <laughs> it. <laughs> well, and it's important that I mention that for a tidbit coming up. Oh, Yes. So 
Jane Addams won worldwide recognition in the early 20th century as a pioneer social worker in America and as a feminist and internationalist. So she co-founded Chicago's Whole House, which is one of America's most famous settlement houses. Um, I looked up the number of books that she authored, and it's somewhere around 50-ish. Because okay. some of them might have been republished, or and some of them maybe were more essay-like. Um, so anyway, a lot of them are still available for purchase today. Uh, but the big notoriety behind Jane Addams is that she was the first American woman to receive a Nobel Peace Prize. Oh, uh, shit. <laughs> I like it already. Yeah. So uh, Miss Jane Addams was born in Cedarville, Illinois on September 6th, 1860. So she's a Virgo sister of mine. <laughs> and her first name was actually Laura, but she goes by Jane. And she was the youngest of eight children. Um, technically nine, but I'll tell you about that. Um, so she was born to a prosperous family and they were actually traced back to colonial Pennsylvania. Um, so in this story, like they actually have money, like a lot of money, like all of our other stories. They're so they're poor. They're struggling. The kids have to work, you know, to keep the. family eating right and so already we're flipping the script on this one so in 1863 jane was two-ish and her mother died while pregnant with the ninth child so i don't know some sources say that she died while pregnant some say while she was trying to give child birth so that's why i said She's actually the youngest of nine, well, intended to be nine children. However, um, uh, by the time that Jane was eight years old, four of her siblings had died. So three of them in infancy and one at the age of 16. You said 1830s Um, though, right? 1860s. 1860s. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So she was mostly cared for by her older sisters. Uh, Again, with the amount of child deaths that happened, I truly, each time I'm like, how are we still here? Um, I mean, because they also didn't have prophylactics, so. No. Um, and then didn't stay with one woman. It wasn't monogamous back then. <laughs> true, true. Or maybe they just, yeah, they just kept pumping them out because they never knew what was going to happen. Yeah, you had to have 13 because the life expectancy rate is like 30%. So you're going to end up with four healthy ones at some point. Oh, man. God, what a terrible thing to consider. People say, like, this is the worst time to be alive. I'm like, it's really not. No, we it's really not. Had... Think about how bad that would have been. We've seen worse. If we would just shut the fuck up and let people live, I think we'd be in a different time. <laughs> right? Mm. we have it all we really truly do like we have all the things that we need just shut the fuck up everybody mind your business go live yeah go exactly Um, go appreciate it shit uh so when she was four she contracted tuberculosis of the spine which is known as pot's disease what the fuck of the spine tuberculosis is a bastard it is a bastard it takes out cows in england Uh, so that caused a curvature in her spine 
and lifelong health problems. So when she was a kid, she couldn't really like play with the other kids. I mean, she had a limp and she couldn't really run and stuff. And so, um, it, it caused her to be pretty isolated and, she actually thought that she was like really ugly. And so she remembered like not wanting to walk with her dad when they were going to church and he had on his Sunday best because she didn't want to embarrass him because she thought she was so ugly. Oh God. Poor thing. I know. Right. Could you like, could you imagine though? Like it's really funny. I'm going to be weirdo for a second. When you're younger and you have ailments, like you're, you got a limp or a hobble or some shit. Or just like maybe things that you can't tell if you're not active that you could hide as an adult. I feel like it's so unfair. And kids are mean. Exactly. Like, I don't want to run with you people anyway, but you're making me run. And now I got stick leg going because you're making me run. And this isn't fair. It's not who I am. Childhood is rough. Honestly. It's fucking worse. Let's be real. Don't want to go back. I mean, maybe she had a perspective of at least she was alive because she had so many siblings pass away. There is a lens. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I can appreciate the lens. Um, I'm alive. Why? Oh God. Why did you have to go? Don't do that. It's a day. It's the day. (laughs) The dark day. Um. Unfortunately, this patch doesn't heal your depression. <laughs> <laughs> Lighten the load. Come on. So Jane adored her father, though, and um, she wrote about it in her memoir, which was called 20 Years at Whole House. She didn't put that out till 1910. But um, anyway, he was a founding member of the Illinois Republican Party and served as Illinois state senator from 1855 to 1870. And um, he was supported by and also did supporting of Mr. Abraham Lincoln. Oh. So he um, he helped, you know, get him into his presidency. And they were really close friends. And um Jane's dad kept a letter from Abraham Lincoln in his desk and she like loved reading it so she would like go in there and read the letter from Lincoln and Abraham Lincoln would address all of the letters to her father as my dear double deed Adams that's why you needed to know that there's two d's in Adams (laughs) that's so strange (laughs) my dear double deed Adams like Okay. I don't think that they knew. I don't think that double D breast sizes were a thing at the time. You know, I don't think they like cup sizes like no, that were. Probably not. If I thing. remember all my history of braziers, they didn't have anything close to measurements or anything like that till like 1920s or 30s. Mm. Well, 1910s, something like that. So, so there wasn't like a double entendre. It was no. just, it was literally his double deed very literal yes (laughs) very literal so her father uh, was an agricultural businessman and he had um timber cattle agricultural holdings um was with dealings with flour and wool factories and all kinds of stuff so he 
um, did not leave the family high and dry and did not have unpaid <laughs> bills. And <laughs> did he stay alive too? He was like, stayed alive for a bit. I mean, <laughs> for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> he made it to his 60s. So that's good. That's good stuff. Actually, I don't, I didn't check what age he was when he died. Um, but his death was unexpected. So, <laughs> well, you got to keep the pattern going somewhere, huh? Uh-huh. unexpectedly he passed away how could you unexpect it it's fucking the 1800s come on well i'll get to it so oh God. Oh God. um he did get remarried to a, a woman who was a widow so she had lost her husband he had lost his wife um so Jane spent a lot of time reading due to her physical inabilities and her father encouraged her to be educated And, um, so when she was reading like Charles Dickens, it sparked interest in her to, um, help the poor. So like his works and her mother's kindness to the poor, um, led her to becoming a doctor, uh, because she wanted to live and work amongst the poor. And so, um, Jane actually stayed close to home for college at her father's request. He didn't want her going far away. Um, So she attended the Rockford Female Seminary, which is now Rockford University in Rockford, Illinois. Wow. Um, She graduated from Rockford in 1881 with a collegiate certificate. And I know and membership to Phi Beta Kappa and she was the valedictorian of a class of 17 women. Oh my and God. Good job. Thank you for participating. <laughs> At least you can say she was a valedictorian. So she wasn't actually granted the bachelor's degree until the school became accredited. So that's why oh, she got the okay. collegiate certificate. So it didn't become accredited until a year after she had graduated. And that's when it became the Rockford College for Women. Okay. Okay. Yes. So um, that summer, though, uh, after graduating, her father did die unexpectedly from a sudden case of appendicitis. I know. But, you know, people's appendixes, like, randomly burst or almost burst or whatever day, like to this, to this day day we can't figure yeah. that motherfucker out what's it so for? we don't know magic <laughs> pocket <laughs> so that's why i said like he didn't stay alive for a long time throughout her adulthood and the reason he died is a reason somebody could die today so um anyway each of his children inherited roughly fifty thousand dollars which lush which yes equivalent into today's money is 1.5 million i mean i would be incredibly happy if i came across a cool 500k it was 50k yeah i know i'm just saying being selfish now (laughs) um i mean 50k then but a 1.5 ish 1.4 today um, so it's funny though, that you'd say that you'd be happy if you came across it. Um, Miss Jane actually fell into a deep depression. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, she, cause you know, she was really, really close to her dad 
And then she started having more health problems, et cetera, et cetera. So she was considered to be part of this new generation of college educated, independent women. And historians have referred to them as like, quote unquote, new women. And so she wanted to put her education to good use, but um, she attempted to study medicine for like, excuse me, six years. Um, However, her health and other things death and whatnot had derailed her. So she was hospitalized for a spinal operation and she also had a nervous breakdown. Oh my God. Yeah. She was, she was filled with complete sadness about her failure of not being able to like complete her medical degree. And anyway, she ended up traveling to Europe for 21 months. Now, this is a common thread through most of our stories as well. Ugh. These women always end up in Europe somehow. How? How do they get there? Who paid for it? How are they paying for it? Who helps them find that fabulous hope, fabulous room for minimal to nothing that overlooks the best street in Paris? Like, how does this happen? Don't know because this is, well, at least this is prior to the war. So at this time you were free to come and go. Right. Again, you weren't escaping, which was adds different layers. However, did she ride with the cattle? I don't know. Again, she she had that cool $50,000. Yes, exactly. You know, she probably had her own (laughs) boat. Fuck it. She had her own yacht. yacht She just, she just hung out in Europe and did some reading and writing and tried (laughs) to decide what she was going to do with her life. Why is it that you never hear somebody from Europe having a mental breakdown decided to go to America to figure it out? Like nobody comes here to figure it out. They all leave here. It seems like we're doing it wrong is what I'm hearing. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, we know this, like just even our work schedules and the way that the responsibilities are placed on us here and the lack of vacation time compared to European countries. I mean no one's coming here for a break um (laughs) coming here to get entertained spend their money get hung out to dry wet Ugh. anyway i want to go to europe for months 20 maybe fuck it give me 24 round number it's a good round number a good whole two years (laughs) um (laughs) well you know i do a lot of research on my adventures and traveling before I go. And that way the algorithm on Instagram serves me up all of the different like reels and things that I need. And um, lately there's been this one that keeps coming up in my feed about how there's countries that will pay you to go live there because they have declining populations. And it's very tempting. I don't know why you wouldn't at this point, honestly, in all honesty, (laughs) Let's be real for a moment. You could do seven to eight months in a different country and completely get away with it. Well, I didn't look into the actual, I guess, contracts or responsibilities that you would have to take on by doing said thing. But most of the time they say it's for a couple of years. Yeah. I think Switzerland, theirs was like three years in one of their cities that they would give you a home and pay you money every month to live there. I mean, I'll be a customer service agent. (laughs) Sweden's also the happiest, one of the happiest countries in the nation, I believe, isn't it? Yeah, I think this is in Switzerland. 
No. Either way. Doesn't matter. They're yes. They're all much happier, I think, in general. <laughs> um back to the story. Where was I? Oh, so Jane, at the age of 27, during her second tour to Europe. <laughs> oh. Yes, with her quote unquote friend, Ellen G. Starr. Ooh. Yes. Ooh. Yes. So they visited a house, a settlement house in London, which settlement houses are, are kind of like a YMCA slash shelter kind of thing. I don't, I mean, I don't really know how else to describe it. That's what it reminded me of. Um, so it was called Toynabee Hall in London's East End. And I said, quote unquote, friend, because Ellen was actually her girlfriend. Mm-hmm. I mean, they met at Rockford and Jane would write to her when she was depressed and bedridden and everything. And um, there are no known male romantic partners in Jane's life. So in today's world, she would be known as a lesbian. But um, a lot of her... Well, she only has two girlfriends that I found, Ellen and another woman, and they're referred to as her friends. And a lot of the articles are not even mentioned. I I feel like this is one of those women who, like, there wasn't a whole lot known, and the stuff that was known, they buried the bad because she did a lot of good. Mm. <laughs> it's possible. However, nowadays, we wouldn't consider her being a lesbian to be bad. Right. I would hope. Jeez. Right. Um, just let us be. <laughs> Say that again. Let us live. Uh huh. Uh-huh. So her second romantic partner was Mary Rosette Smith, and she was wealthy and supported Jane's work, and they ended up living together. Um. Historian Lillian Faderman wrote that Jane was in love with Mary and addressed her as my ever dear, darling, dearest one, and that they definitely acted like they were a married couple. They remained together until 1934 when Mary died of pneumonia. And so that was 40 years that they spent together. Yeah, they was a lesbian couple. Mm-hmm. 100%. Mm-hmm. I'm glad so, they found each other though, and they were able to live together for that long. I know, right? Um, so it was said that Mary Smith, who is Jane's pretty much lifelong partner, um became and always remained the highest and clearest note in the music that was Jane Adams' personal life. Oh, like that was wow. a quote. Yes. And um so when they were apart, they would write to each other at least once a day, sometimes twice a day. And Jane would write to Mary things like, I miss you dreadfully and I'm yours till death. The letters also show that the women saw themselves as a married couple. Um, like, quote unquote, there is reason in the habit of married folks keeping together is what Jane wrote to Mary. Huh. So anyway, back to this settlement house. Um, so Jane and Ellen's visit to the house in London helped spark Jane's like inner motivation to open a settlement house in an underprivileged area of Chicago. So in 1889, uh, Jane and Ellen leased a large home 
maybe it was 1886. Might have been 1886. Um, <laughs> as, as if you were there. <laughs> well, because they leased it, but they didn't move in until three years later. Because there were a bunch of renovations and stuff needed. It was like this vacant building or vacant home that Charles Hull had built. Um, and it was at the corner of Halstead and Polk Streets in Chicago. Um, so their purpose was, quote, to provide a center for a higher civic and social life, to institute and maintain educational and philanthropic enterprises, and to investigate and improve the conditions in the industrial districts of Chicago. End quote. So eventually the settlement house, which is now, which is known as the whole house, like H-U-L-L, because Charles Hull is the one who built it. Oh. Um, so it's called Hull House. It eventually included 13 buildings and a playground and a camp near Lake Geneva in Wisconsin. Oh, God, um, <laughs> I know. There were a bunch of very prominent like social workers and reformers who came to live at the house. Um, and tried to like make a living there while helping Jane in the various activities that they were doing. And so Jane and her colleagues originally intended for Hull House as a transmission device to bring the values of like college educated, high culture women to the less cultured, poor families and communities in Chicago. And they did this as part of a, a major movement called the efficiency movement. Um, and so that movement wasn't just them. It was like an overall movement, but it happened to take place at the same time. So industrial nations in the early 20th century were able to identify and like eliminate, eliminate waste as they call it in the economy and society. Oh. And to develop and implement best practices. That's heavy. It's well-intended. But the way that we would use eliminate waste nowadays would not necessarily fit the description. So, um, (laughs) again, well-intended. Like, they're trying to offer uh, education, resources, um, culture, too underprivileged and so i can just hear it what a waste um so over time the focus changed from bringing art and culture to the neighborhood to responding to the needs of the community and so they ended up providing child care educational opportunities large meeting spaces things like that and the whole house became like a well-known place for like the next generation of college educated professional women. Interesting. Yeah. So So it did at its height, whole house was visited each week by 2000 people. Not, not bad. 2000 people a lot. Right. And they conducted investigations on housing, midwifery, fatigue, tuberculosis, typhoid, garbage collection, man cocaine truancy i mean they like did all these investigations into why all this stuff was happening you know like in how to help combat it and so most of the residents were well-educated women and they were participating in 
um, like National Consumers League and the suffrage movement. Um, there were doctors who joined so that they could provide treatment to poor families. Um, they offered night school for adults and like other clubs for children, a public kitchen, an art gallery, a gym, all this stuff uh, for the whole community to come use. And much of Jane's teaching and um, concept of like the adult night school is what we use today for like continuing education classes for adults at universities. I mean, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Right. Am I right? Right. So, um, Jane was very invested though in the art program and she thought that art was the best way to challenge, we'll say the system. So she, yeah. So she wanted to challenge like industrialized education and the way that job placement worked because they would put individuals in a specific job or position that were like fitted for them, like didn't necessarily let people discover their own path. And so she saw art as a key to like unlocking the, all of the abilities that somebody can have and create diversity throughout the city and allow them to have self-discovery. So she really wanted to like get their imaginations going. Um, She thought that it disrupted fixed ideas and um, stimulated the diversity and interaction that is required within a healthy society. Um, So she was really big into culture and um, testing out how you could best be utilized, not just be told this is what you're going to do. So they actually... In addition to that, like I said, we're investigating some of the other things like typhoid fever, right? And um, they dug into why uh, poorer workers were bearing the brunt of typhoid fever, like why the most of them ended up with the illness. And so um, they tied it to political corruption and business greed and bureaucracy and all this stuff about companies ignoring sanitation and building codes. And so she really... Um, tried to link environmental justice and municipal reform together. So she did eventually like make some progress and modernized inspection practices and um, worked for the Chicago board of health. Like she served as the vice president for the playground association of America, because she was like, why it's unfair that poor people are being put in these circumstances. What an advocate. That's like the true definition of an advocate. Somebody who has privilege and power and actually fucking utilizes that to to advocate for people who don't. Mm -hmm. So she was. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's a lot. I'm tired just hearing it. (laughs) (laughs) I've already started like an exhausted state. So like this is a lot. She's incredible. Oh, and it doesn't stop. It does not stop. So in 1898, she joined the Anti-Imperialist League. She was a supporter of the Progressive Party. She nominated Theodore Roosevelt for presidency. Um, She served as president of the National Conference of Charities and Corrections. Charities Uh, and Corrections sounds like a really 
what could that be? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it has to do with jail reform and whatnot. So the, she was the first woman to hold that title. Um, she became active in the women's suffrage movement as an officer in the National American Suffrage Association. She was a pro-suffrage columnist. Um, she was among the founders of the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, the NAACP. Colette would, hate her. <laughs> her and Colette would not jive. <laughs> um, so in January 1915, she became involved in the Women's Peace Party and was elected as national chairman. I mean, was there a board that she wasn't on, honestly? <laughs> like, I, I mean, I really summarized all of it because there were explanations of like what she did um, yeah, in her in her roles. And I was just like, oh, this is too much. Like it's way too much because each I don't know. probably had a very niche rescue mission. Yeah. That she was in some way, shape or form responsible for. You know, and I'm like, I don't mean to like truncate your um, accomplishments. Yeah, but um, girls got a patch on her head today. So here we are. Um, <laughs> but it's been aggressive and so has this day. So <laughs> sorry. Uh, so she was invited by European peace activists to preside over the International Congress of Women in The Hague. Um, and I don't know what the Hague is. I didn't look into it, but it's important. So, uh, <laughs> she was chosen to head the commission to find an end to the war. So that was, I mean, that was part of her role in the International Congress of Women. Um, so this included meeting 10 leaders as she was part of this, she met with 10 leaders in neutral countries, as well as those at war to discuss mediation. So this was like her first significant international effort against the war. And along with her co-delegates, Emily Balk and Alice Hamilton, they documented their experiences of this venture and published a book called Women of the Hague. The Hague is like Washington, D.C., but for the Netherlands. Gotcha. Thank that's you a, for looking that's that up. the highest level explanation y'all are going to get. And it's probably not as accurate as it should be. But Well, that makes sense, though. Because they were in the Netherlands and she was trying to get everybody to be neutral and come to yeah. peace and <laughs> mediate war. Um, so during it's, World War One, go ahead. Oh, sorry. It's been described as the country's de facto capital. So, yeah. So during World War One, she found her second major calling. In case all this other stuff was not enough, right? I was gonna say, wasn't she tired by then? But no, she was rich. So, <laughs> so she's um didn't have an alcohol problem apparently. Nope, and we'll talk about that too. Oh, okay. Um, so her second major calling. <laughs> It's so funny. You always call stuff out in my stories where I'm like, I'm not there yet. I'm um, sorry. No, but it's great. It's it's crazy how you have like the ability to have like premonitions of what's coming. Um it's a blessing and a curse. I know it all. <laughs> just I'm blown away every time. I'm like, do I just spill the beans now? No. I mean, she's already called it. So um anyway, her her major calling, second major calling was promoting international peace. So as a declared pacifist, which I had to look up, 
It means a person who believes that war and violence are unjustifiable. I'm one of those then. I'm a pacifist. I don't feel like we need to blow each other yes. up. Right. So she protested U.S. entry into World War One, which deemed her popularity and prompted harsh criticism from some of the newspapers. So what if we had the pacifist party. There probably is one. Yeah. And they probably don't care enough to actually get votes. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> so. Uh. Jane ultimately believed that humans should be able to solve problems without violence. Um, she joined a group of women peace activists who toured the warring nations and hoped to bring about peace. Uh, she wrote articles and gave speeches worldwide promoting peace, and she helped found the Women's International League for Peace and Freedom in 1919. And she served as their president until 1929. Remarkable. So how is she a president in every committee i don't know i mean honestly was she just the loudest voice in the room too i hear you said maybe i heard you, you said maybe and that's it i i don't know i don't know um however even though she served as president until 1929 um for the women's international league for peace and freedom she had had a heart attack in 1926 and so she never really like fully re- regained her health. Oh god. Um, yeah, so she remained as active as possible basically um until her death. And so on December 10th, 1931, she was admitted to the Baltimore Hospital and it was this this is literally what I wrote in my notes. It was the same damn day that the Nobel Peace Prize was being awarded to her in Oslo. Motherfucker. That sucks. <laughs> come on she, she was she, not that she could be in oslo to get it but like yes she's admitted to the hospital the same day that she's getting her nobel peace prize oh the universe is telling you something girl slow down <laughs> she slowed down a lot because she died three days later oh my um, god <laughs> i strike again yes um, I do want to note, though, just for the record, again, that she was the first American woman to receive the Nobel Peace Prize. Um, so anyway, when she was in the hospital, she she had an operation and it actually revealed that she had cancer that she was unaware of. Man, are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. So um, she had her funeral at in the courtyard of the whole house. And um, as time moved on, the Chicago campus of the University of Illinois actually kind of um, forced Whole House to relocate its headquarters. However, the there was a residence, like the Whole House residence. You know how I told you there was a house in like 13 buildings? The house itself is preserved as a monument to Jane Addams. But a lot of the other buildings have been demolished. Cool. Um, so when you said she um, didn't have a problem with alcohol. Yeah. So it says um, while there is no record available of any speech she ever made on behalf of the 18th Amendment, she nonetheless supported prohibition on the basis that alcohol was, quote, 
was of course a leading lure and a necessary element in houses of prostitution, both from a financial and a social standpoint. And she claimed, quote, professional houses of prostitution could not sustain themselves without the vehicle of alcohol. Uh, That's not true. I know. She also had this weird view of prostitution um, because she actually published, uh, I think, I don't know if it was a book or an essay, but it was called A New Conscience and Ancient Evil, and it was about prostitution. And so this book was actually really popular, but she believed that prostitution was a result of kidnapping. I mean, in today's society, yeah, it's called sex trafficking. But back then, it was just trying to make a living, honey. Well, that's the thing. There's two. There's the sex work mm-hmm. and there's sex trafficking. Mm-hmm. And those two, it seems like they were a little blurry back well, then. Yeah, I mean, did I can't imagine she'd have gone to any of those establishments to talk to those women to understand their story. She was just inferring based on her inference. So she also <laughs> was a supporter of eugenics and um, advocated for eugenics to improve the see, social hygiene. I can uh, see her innocence being the driver right. for that. And I know. There's no malice there because it was like, we can breed out cancer. We can breed right. out cleft lips. Right. Well, we, it's why do we have such a disparity between the rich and poor? Like we don't need to have the all poor people be ill from being in conditions that, you know, force them to get cancer. Like, yes, it's, it's hopefully we're interpreting her thought process correctly, but um, I, I, I think eugenics had a lot of propaganda behind it because this is not the first time that we've come across a woman in one of our stories who has been all about it well and mine was maybe a little bit more malicious with her yeah intentions. yeah yeah <laughs> true true he was Very like possible. you know just get rid of them i was like oh, right 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 she wants to have a level playing field she doesn't yeah. understand why there's such a disparity mm-hmm. um and if you have the means then you should give back I mean, that's where I'm like, she was 100% innocent in her. Hope so. I, there wasn't a lot about that. I mean, this was just one random she liked, sentence or two from Wikipedia. She I mean, lived with a woman and that was blasphemy. So you can imagine. Right. You know, she wasn't. That's Sarah's world is she wasn't. Because I think Malice was using eugenics to breed out attraction to the same sex too Mm -hmm. i don't know if that's well because they wanted a super race yes which i don't think she wants a super race i think she wants an equal peace she's a pacifist yes so um i got all of my research today from nobelprize.org uh womenshistory.org um wikipedia and Britannica. That's the story of Jane Adams. With two D's. With your bitch ass. (laughs) My dear double D Jane. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh my goodness. I mean, what a fun story. Thank you for sharing. You're welcome. I know. I felt like today's story was a bit more lighthearted than. I feel like all of our stories still have a little bit of like nefarious to them. Well, maybe not nefarious, but there's that little tink. Like she was 40 years a lesbian. (laughs) I know. I know. (laughs) I know. Well, initially when I was skimming facts about her and it was just all these lists of all these organizations that she participated in and all these places where she was you know trying to drive peace and was a director of some you know coalition or what I was just like oh my god this is just a list of accolades Mm -hmm. like where's the juice Mm -hmm. I had to dig yeah you find it just gotta where's the dirt I want that tea. No, it, but it was bothering me that there were, there were uh, verses that were talking about her romantic partner as just her friend. Yeah, I feel because like, they're, I feel like they were written recent enough. Maybe it was uh staying true to the literature they found and their right 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 just perpetuating not why <laughs> they were intimate right so um i came across her though because for some reason she's trending on google and i don't know why like when you look up people on Google, it says like other people you should look for. So I actually was looking up somebody else to do my story on today. And then I switched gears because Jane's trending. Interesting. But I don't know why she's trending. So then, of course, I wrote down more names of other women that are trending and put them on our list. Oh, yes. <laughs> of course, let's be trendy together. I don't know about you, but I'm really enjoying these facts of life instead of just you know stories of woe mm-hmm. 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 oh i guess it's at a girl time yeah it is it is at a girl time at a girls are when we pat ourselves on the back for something good that we've done or or something good happens to us we just try to end on a positive note not talking about eugenics <laughs> no, not talking about just breeding a superior race right. <laughs> um I, I actually have mine ready to go off the rip go for it so we are getting ready to have our first summer in this house and we got our composter established on the side of the yard <clears throat> we ordered our garden walls and we have those waiting to get put into the ground and um yesterday my cousin evan purchased a smoker for us for christmas and yesterday we finally used it and we smoked in like seven and a half pound pork butt huh Uh, that's we did a good job (laughs) (laughs) that's like an all-day process isn't it it only took us because it should have taken you know somewhere between eight and nine or ten hours i suppose it only took us about i'm gonna i'm gonna lie and say six or seven nope i don't know 
all I know is that he woke up at like 6.45 ready to go and I was along for the ride and it was a complete success. Big success. Oh. I made homemade coleslaw and I made, you know, cucumber salad and it was a little bit of 4th of July up in this bitch yesterday on a shitty cold spring day. So. <laughs> Good. Yeah. And that's my accomplishment. I. But. <laughs> Well, really, it's that you set up the smoker that you've had now for four or five months. Yes. Well, it's been shitty out, in all fairness. You know, we didn't want to bust it out in the snow. Fair, yeah. I mean, my Atta Girl is similar. I took care of a bunch of stuff that's just been sitting around. I still have some things sitting around. Like, I really am going to try to get rid of the stuff that's just staring me in the face and one of those was my paint by numbers (laughs) and so my paint by numbers is almost done a couple of the colors need some more coats so that you don't see the number (laughs) but um all of the colors are on there I bought a frame so that paint by numbers took me a while and I've that's another thing that I have also had since like late January, I think it was a Christmas gift, but it came late. Yep. Um. So yeah, it was yeah, sitting rolled up on my counter. Activity. I know. I know. Uh, okay. But I'm glad because it looked good when you sent me a picture. I want to see the rest of it. Yeah, got some finishing touches, but um. So again, I'll be happy to get that counter space back <laughs> and that, um, your mental space back, the my freedom, mental space and, and staring you down all the time and um, actually getting it up on the wall because I have been in the process of like redoing my room for like months, but there really hasn't been a process because I'm like, this is my centerpiece. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going to put it. So I haven't hung up anything else. <laughs> It's a process. It's okay. You can call it that. <laughs> Some call it OCD and they have a little pill they take for it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so anyway, we both accomplished uh, putting together things that we've had for months. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it's been a big success. It's probably though, because it's been so rainy. Like yeah. I just haven't had a lot of motivation to uh, leave the house. No, let alone can I like actually do any spring cleanup outside? No. I mean, I guess I can, but it's just it would be a mess. No, so, um, so yeah, there hasn't been any motivation to get the outside taken care of, so might as well continue to get the inside taken care of. Yeah, Seth and I were talking the other day, like if we lived in a state that was sunny a majority of the time instead of the most overcast days in the country, um, we would likely be a highly motivated people. Like a lot of shit would be accomplished. (laughs) Yesterday when the sun came out or well, uh, sun came out as a loose term when it stopped raining for like three hours, I left the house. I did. I was like, oh, let me go get all of my errands done. My neighbor came across as she came out and was going to take the dog for a walk and started on her walk. And we were putting the tent away because we bought a canopy because it was raining out. We were smoking stuff outside, you know, so it's all dried because the sun came out literally. And um, as soon as we moved it and started folding it up to put it into the bag, 
hail like ice came blasting out of the sky and i was like what's that and he was like it's ridiculous that's what it effing is it's it's ridiculous (laughs) no i know we're on snow watch today yeah it's may 1st i know april showers we're ready for the may flowers dog you can go Mm. hundred percent i'd like to plant my garden sometime soon please on the outside of the house inside is getting a little crowded yeah that's the other thing i grew all my shit from seeds they're ready mm-hmm. yeah it's exciting if mm-hmm. i'm not i'm not going too far though i'm like okay next step get them in the ground outside and then see what happens then we bought worms oh that was another out of my girl one of my another one of my adder girls we purchased worms formally <laughs> i have them sitting in a bucket on my countertop oh wow because it's too cold outside to put them in the ground yet you know so how do they survive in the bucket we got dirt and food in there for them <clears throat> god it's like you've added another pet to your house technically that's a bunch of jim juniors in there <laughs> it's <laughs> On top of the two dogs, the two cats, the two birds, now you also have a bucket of worms. 250 of them-ish. God. (laughs) Well, do you, boo. Do you. (laughs) If you like what you heard today, please rate, review, subscribe. (laughs) And you can request a whole of history by sending us an email to Homance Podcast. Huh? Demand it. You don't have to request. You can be demandy with it. It's cool. Oh, sure. Whatever tone you'd like to send us the email in, please do so at homancepodcast at gmail.com. And then you can also DM us on Instagram at homance underscore chronicles. And you can get the homance chronicles gear from my Etsy shop, etsy.com slash shop slash Nicole Bonneville. So do all the thing. Tell your friends about us. It really helps. Thank you. Homance out.